All right. What is up, football fans? Welcome back to another episode of Pound the Pigskin, where it's all football all the time. This is your host, Steve Hillen, along with your fellow football host, Alex the Marine Ruiz, Matt Bear Kaczynski. Gentlemen, the National Football League rolls into week 16. It is the Christmas edition of Pound the Pigskin this week. We have a very interesting football schedule due to the holiday. We've got games on Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Uh, it's going to be an entertaining uh, week of football, to say the least, with a lot on the line. Oh, yeah. Now, as we do each and every week, we'll start off with our drink of the night, brought to you by String Sports Brewery. The second location off Penman Road is going to be opening in the summer of 2024, so that's exciting, as if Penman Road, one lane each way, wasn't already hectic enough. Now you're going to put that thing right across from Sonati's. So cheers to that. I've got a Miller Lite. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, went real different today. I don't believe you. Okay. <laughs> I don't believe you. Got a little, little, little peppermint mocha espresso. I'm like, Keurig. Hmm. Peppermint mocha espresso. Well, it's just espresso coffee, like Publix. Publix Premium, if uh, anybody needs well, is it, coffee that's good quality. Is it espresso or is it coffee? Well, it's the it's, it's an espresso blend. Let me re- let me be. Nice. I didn't even know you drank that stuff. Coffee? Yeah. Ah, uh, oh. turn it into a basic one. I don't uh, think I ever seen you drink okay, coffee. Bro. Okay, give me a pumpkin spice latte, baby. No, he had it. He had a he had a black coffee um, when we went to when we met up for breakfast. Yep. Oh yeah, that's right. Just not used to it. That's all. It's because mm. I have to be up at the ass crack of dawn every day, damn day, and work till five. Yeah, o'clock. I know, but you used to you used to be doing you know monsters or what was the other one? The uh, well, anyway, it doesn't matter. You got coffee. I drink enough caffeine for pre workouts. Touche. Alex, what do you got concocting today? Anything? Uh, I'm just drinking some sweet tea with that uh, the eggnog. The, the... Oh, that screwball? Yeah, that screwball eggnog. There you go. Yep. All right, boys. Let's get into the weeds on this one. We'll start off with, um, start off with our pick results from last week. We did good as a group. We went 6-3. and three. Matt had a 3-0 and oh week. I had a two and one week. Alex had a one and two week, but overall six and three as a group. We're at sixty-eight and seventy-three going into week sixteen. So we're we're inching closer to five hundred. We could technically, if we close strong, we could be on the positive end um, by the end of the season, which is what counts when it comes to making money. So let's uh, let's just dive right into some of the results, boys. We'll start off on Thursday night football, which seems like forever ago, but. Chargers Raiders on Thursday night football. And if you ever want a blueprint for how to lay down and die in order to get your coach fired, just ask the Chargers how to go about and do that. They were down 42 to nothing at halftime to a team that had just gotten shut out the week before and had only scored 20 or more points in a game twice this year. That being the Raiders, they lose the game 63 to 21. It was the best thing to ever happen to the Chargers this season. They fired Tom Telesco and head coach Brandon Staley the next day. So the, the rebuild is fully on. Chargers fans are very happy about it. Um, the result was exactly what was expected without Justin Herbert. So congratulations to the Chargers fans. 
Um, we'll see what the coaching and GM search brings, but hopefully it brings some competence uh, because that's what the team needs the most. Now, moving on to the Saturday slate, overtime game in the early one, Vikings and Bengals. What a comeback by the Bengals. Unbelievable. T. Higgins making two touchdown catches, including the one where he had to come back out of the end zone, catch the ball, turn around and extend to get the ball back over the goal line, and then they get it into overtime. And McPherson hits the game-winning field goal to win 27-24. to The Steelers and the Colts, this one was all Colts, 30-13. to This was a game Matt needed for both his personal parlay as well as the, pl- the pick that he gave out here on the show. And then the later game, Lions and Broncos. This one was all Detroit. Jared Goff, five touchdown passes. It was like playing a game of Madden. 42-17, to Detroit was a wagon. Sam Laporta caught three of those touchdown passes from Jared Goff. Now, moving over to Sunday, you had a battle up there in Cleveland as the Browns win 20-17. to Three interceptions from Joe Flacco, but the Browns still find a way to escape. The Bears had a chance on a Hail Mary that landed in Darnell Mooney's lap, and he said, nope, I don't want it. And it ended up being an interception to end the game. Buccaneers and Packers in Lambeau. Baker Mayfield pitches a perfect game, a 158.3 passer rating, 381 yards and four touchdowns as the Bucs win 34-20. to Baker Mayfield becomes the first ever visiting quarterback to post a perfect passer rating in Lambeau Field. Another overtime game in the battle in the AFC South, Texans and Titans. Texans come back from down. 19 to 3 and they are 16 to 3 they end up winning it 19 to 16 on a 50 yard 54 yard field goal in overtime to keep their playoff hopes alive jets and dolphins in the rematch the first one wasn't close we said this one wasn't going to be close and guess what even without tyree kill it wasn't close dolphins win 30 to nothing chiefs patriots in a game that nobody really paid a ton of attention to the the chiefs kind of coasted through they win it 27 to 17 giants and saints in the big easy this one was a seven to six ball game at halftime and then one team completely didn't show up for the second half that being the giants as the saints win 24 to six Derek carr throws three touchdown passes that's not a Derek carr game but that's what happened falcons and panthers down in charlotte in a game where it rained in a game where you could buy tickets literally for two dollars on Ticketmaster, a game in which Alex called the Panthers winning this one, and they yeah. win it 9-7 to seven <laughs> on a field goal to end the game in front yep. of probably 3,000 people at that point between the rain and the fact that nobody gave a fuck. The Panthers get their second win of the season. Alex that's called being, it, so congrats on that one. That's being Commanders, the fan count. Yeah, probably. Commanders and Rams out in L.A. Uh, Rams win it 28-20. Maddie Stafford, another efficient game with two touchdowns through the air. Kyron Williams continues to dominate on the ground with 152 yards rushing. 49ers, Cardinals, this one was just another Brock Purdy MVP type of game. Four touchdowns. McCaffrey had three touchdowns. 49ers win it, no sweat. 45 to 29, despite letting the Cardinals rush for over 200 yards. The, the other marquee game, Cowboys and Bills up there in Western New York, Orchard Park. 
Bills Mafia is pumped because the Bills are starting to circle those wagons. James Cook, 179 yards rushing and a touchdown. The Bills dominate the Cowboys 31-10. to Cowboys are 3-4 and four in road games, and they're terrible when it comes to defending the run on the road. And then Sunday night football, the Jaguars get a chance at redemption in terms of primetime home game. Well, unfortunately, they shit the bed again. The Ravens come in. They win 23-7. to The game was never really close. Too many self-inflicted wounds by the Jaguars. Too many turnovers, once again, by Trevor Lawrence. And this one was all Ravens pretty easily. And then, of course, Monday Night Football out in the Pacific Northwest, the Battle of the Birds. Listen, when we, when we hand out certain statistics on this show, there's a reason why we always bring out certain statistics. And we said when we were previewing this matchup that the Eagles hadn't beat the Seahawks in 15 years. Well, guess what? That continued because Seattle got the ball with under two minutes left to go in the game, and Drew Locke leads him down on a game-winning touchdown drive, touchdown pass to Jackson Smith. And Jigba, the rookie, the Seahawks win it 20-17. to 17, And all of a sudden, the Eagles, just like at one point the 49ers, are now on a three-game losing streak. So they're going to have to right the ship. So with those results, boys, the, the standings look like this as we turn towards week 16. In the AFC, you have the Baltimore Ravens as the one seed at 11-3 who have officially clinched a playoff spot right now the Dolphins are the two seed the Chiefs are the three seed the Jaguars are the four seed your wild card teams are the Browns with the five seed the Bengals with the six seed and the Colts with the seven seed now in the AFC you have the Niners as the one seed who have clinched their division you've got the Cowboys as the two seed who are the division leaders They have clinched a playoff spot, but not the division quite yet. The Lions are the three seed. The Bucs are now in the four seed in the NFC South. And the the Eagles are the five seed, and they have clinched a playoff berth. The Vikings are the six seed despite the loss, and the Rams are the seven seed with Seattle and New Orleans also tied at seven and seven. And, of course, we also have some new teams that have now been mathematically eliminated, so – Bye-bye, farewell to Arizona, Washington, the New York Jets, and the Tennessee Titans. Your seasons are now officially over as you have been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. So, gentlemen, with the wild and crazy outcomes that we got in this past week, we'll start it off with which team had the biggest win in week 15? Um, I mean, this might be kind of an easy and obvious one, but I, I think it can't go unnoticed. Dude, something's brewing in East Orchard. Like, yeah. something's brewing in Orchard Park right now. Um, That's a huge win. And, and look, we've been talking about the Cowboys all year, how they can't very much like the Dolphins. Ironic that there's two high-powered offenses in AFC and NFC who both can do the same thing, and that's beat good teams, but I mean, the Bills came, they, they, they stood their ground at home, and they definitely look like they are they're, they look like they're on the, uh, the path to uh, being on a tear, because they look like they are ready. Um, I know they that are. sounds corny, but there is the eye test, we talk about it a lot, it's an intangible thing, you watch when you see the game, 
The Bills are just playing with it right now. And look, who would have ever thought that in week 15, we're reviewing a Bills-Cowboys game where who really is the player that kind of was key? James freaking Cook. Yeah, and that's don't huge. look now, but he's second in the NFL in rushing. That's huge. That's yeah. going to help the playoff Bills for once. Maybe, maybe be able to get that push. But I think that's the biggest win of the week, in my opinion. Clearly, well, Alex, what's, what do you got for your, for your biggest win of the week? Uh, well, I got the Panthers called that game. <laughs> uh, I took Seattle, so called that game. Seattle, uh, yeah. That's a... Seattle was a big win, though, man. With it, without Geno oh. Smith, they were able to yeah. hold the Eagles under 20. I mean, that's a big win to stay alive. I was told I was crazy for picking Seattle to win that game. Well, I don't know why you'd be crazy. I mean, Seattle had, hadn't lost to him in 15 years. Yeah, nobody looks at that stuff. Well, that's why we tell them. Uh, I mean, there's another – I'll let Steve, you go too. There's a huge one in my opinion. A, a huge, huge win? win? Huge win, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the fact – I mean, here's the thing. The fact that the Bengals were able to come yeah. back exactly. and do what they did to stay alive in the playoff race – against Minnesota and get that overtime win. I mean, the Vikings had third and one, and they decided to QB sneak on third and one and fourth and one with Ty Chandler, who had averaged over five yards a carry all game in the running back spot, and you don't even give him the ball not one time. I mean, Kevin O'Connell has done an excellent job keeping the Vikings in it all season, but that's just terrible coach decision-making right there that you think you can take Nick Mullins with tiny little Brandon Powell and a tiny little Ty Chandler and help push your quarterback for a yard twice. Um, Just terrible decision-making right there. So I think that the Bengals was just a huge win. And if you want to add one that's equally important, it's the other overtime win with the Houston Texans. Yeah. You know, doing it with Case Keenum coming back down, you know, 13 points and, forcing it into overtime, kicking that field goal to keep – I mean, both of those teams keeping their playoff hopes alive with huge wins. Um, those are just big wins. Now, as opposed to talking about some of the worst losses because Dallas was a terrible loss, the Jaguars was absolutely a horrendous loss once again at home as far as playoff seeding, as far as just how you looked like – those ones are the easy ones. You could even throw Green Bay in there if you wanted just because of how bad Joe Barry's defense is. But as, a, as opposed to going with the worst losses of the week, let's stay on the positive side. Who had the best game plans of the week? I, I want to give this to the Raiders for the sheer fact that they dropped 64 points. But <laughs> well, two of them I, on two I, defensive touchdowns. So that I, I know, I know that has more to do with the people stopping their play for Herbert and their quarterback or their their yeah. their, their terrible head coach. Um, Chargers best game plan of the week for getting your coach fired. I was gonna say you can make the argument that for that aspect of it, absolutely. Yeah. Um, anyway, honestly, anyway. <laughs> I, I would have to give it to uh, Todd Bowles and the Buccaneers. Yeah, I mean, just slinging it all over the place, letting Baker Mayfield uh, play free, and they're clicking at the right time. Yeah, I mean, huge win for them, right? Playoff implications, 
Uh, Baker comes out and has the game of his career. Um, yep. And this is against a this is against a Green Bay Packers team who uh, recently up and up and you know up until their L to us um, <laughs> has been playing pretty well. They beat the Chargers. Yeah, they, they beat the Lions. They beat the Chiefs. Yeah, they came they in on a roll and and our. Our defense was on a was on a they were they were doing what they needed to do and found a way to win that game for us, right? So um this I think everybody kind of anticipated this game to be a bounce back for the Packers to get them, you know, at seven and seven. Um and Todd Bowles, my hat's off to you, man. Like you said, he came into the game, let Baker let Baker play with that swagger that he has, that the team knows he has, and and come in and and you know two score win against the, the the friggin' Packers who need every win they can get right now. Yeah, that's right. Matt, what do you um, think best game plan for you? I got a toss up. Um, I don't know if I want to talk about the same game I got it earlier. So I'll make that one really quick. Okay. I would say Bills did. I mean, crappy weather found a way to run the ball and basically the fact that Joe Brady called 49 running plays when you know he's dying to let Josh Allen rip it. And a lot of credit to him. Estimate that's a testament to where the Bills are right now, where yeah, it's a lot of credit. Out, we're not trying to fit a mold from what we're supposed to do or what we think we should do. It's what do we need to do to win right now? Because we don't have another option and we have to win now. And there's like, or, or we're done. Like they, they feel the pressure that that door is closing. Like we've been saying all year. Um, yeah. I, I say that's impressive for a team that's got a gunslinger quarterback. Again, bad weather. So, I mean, I get it, but like, it's impressive. You commit to the run and you negate Dallas's best part of having a good pass rush, being able right. to, you know, being able to pressure quarterbacks, being able to disrupt your passing offense, being able to keep you from scoring points. Well, guess what? It didn't because they found a way to run it. Exactly. Uh, and that's how you got to win in the playoffs up in New York. A hundred percent. You've got to be able to run the ball and you've got to be able to um, play really solid defense. Um, yeah, but I, I think, I think Buffalo wouldn't even be in the situation they are. Great win for them, but I don't think they would be looked at as, scrutinized throughout the season had they just opened up the ground game and let James Cook do what we all had a feeling he could do. Yeah. It's it's better late than never to the party. Uh, Yeah, that's fair. You know what I mean? Now it's like, oh, we got a game plan for this dude before it wasn't. So, you know, strategic advantage there. But I mean, they would have, they would have won more games this season had they, had they, you know, developed that run game plan earlier, which, you know, now we know why, (laughs) now we know why Brady's taking over. Yeah, exactly. Put them in spots where they had to play kind of, you know, quarterback duel. But, I mean, again. No, yeah, that, no, yeah, yeah, but we know that. I'm just saying the fact that they didn't have a run game up until the last three weeks is insane. Maybe that's all Maybe that's all part of, you know, the whole uh, genius of the game plan is, oh, hey, we're going to show you our cards only in, uh, you know, week 13 finally. Um, the it's other game you fired our offensive coordinator. Dude. Well, other- I mean, it's made a big deal. Yep. Um. I would argue that the other team that you got to give a game plan, um, I think it's a, a full team, uh, is the Colts. I mean, it is a big win. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, listen, we talked about how, you know, Gardner Minshew in short spurts is okay, but when you've got to rely on him as a starter long period, hey, that's when though. it gets shaky. But listen, <laughs> he's, been, he's been holding his own. You got to give it to him. He's, he's definitely yep. been holding his own, um, I think, a lot better than we really um, – would have anticipated and uh you know they came in and it had i think the great uh you know plan of attack knowing that the Steelers were you know maybe not in their uh, best position they've been in during the season but hey you know quarterback situation sucks i think Colts even made that 
you know, even more obvious. Um, you know, they weren't able to get the ground game going. And, you know, that's tough because guess what? Mike Tomlin, Alex called it. That. Tomlin's always found a way to sneakily still have a competitive team enough to get to 500 or just over. It might not happen now. So, yeah, they're you know. They're definitely trending in the wrong direction in terms of Pittsburgh. Now, my, uh, my game plan has got to go to the Detroit Lions, Ben Johnson, letting Jared Goff look like an MVP, five touchdown passes. The running game was absolutely dominant against the Denver Broncos. Jameer Gibbs had 100 yards and a touchdown. Montgomery had 85 yards rushing. Any let, I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> no, no touchdowns um, from – you know, Montgomery, but Sam Laporta, the rookie, they know how to use him in the red zone. I mean, just a master class in terms of offensive efficiency. And, you know, the Lions in that offensive line, when they're clicking, their offense is pretty video game-like. So, I mean, definitely, definitely a great game plan for Detroit. Obviously, they were able to smother the Broncos, they shut them out in the first half. They were able to get a big lead and kind of just, I don't want to say coast through it, but they were able to play with that lead, which obviously is to their advantage. Now, as far as these teams here, boys, we're going to go through a little exercise of the teams that are technically right now on the outside looking in. So they're in the hunt, so to speak, as that graphic on the television Always show those things. So we'll start in the AFC. You got the teams in the hunt. The eight seed Houston Texans at eight and six. The nine seed Buffalo Bills at eight and six. The 10 seed Pittsburgh Steelers at seven and seven. The 11 seed Denver Broncos at 11 and 11 or at seven and seven. So out of those four teams, Houston, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Denver, if you're the fan base of Team X, which team do you feel? Which fan base should feel good? Which fan base should be in panic mode? For AFC? For the uh, AFC. Between Houston, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, and Denver. The four teams in the hunt on the bubble. I mean, I could argue it's panic mode, but it's a good panic mode. It's the Bills. Like, they're just that pressure is on. Like, we've got to find a way to get in the playoffs or we're going to lose. That chance is slipping. Um I would I mean I would say the Steelers are another one because you know here's again we've said it multiple times already you know you got two tough two tough division games left with uh the Bengals who are hot and then you got the Ravens at the end that look like they're the best in class although Cleveland don't look now um yeah it's See, I agree with you. If I'm a Bills fan, I feel pretty good. I feel positive. I'm yeah. feeling like we got a chance. And if I'm a Steelers fan, I'm like, this is about to get ugly real quick. It's emergency panic mode of what the hell are we doing and uh, how how are we going to get in? Um, but yeah, I, I'd probably I'd go Steelers. Um, I think Houston is it's house money. So like at the end of the day, like if they make it, they great. If they don't, it's not really the end of the world. At the end of the day. Um, you always want to play to be in the playoffs, but clearly a lot of expectations have been blown, you know, through the roof. So um, you're not yeah. going to hang your hat. You're not going to be in panic mode. Denver, uh, nobody cares. Um, sorry to Denver. <laughs> no, no, nobody cares. Steelers, like that's easy. Right. 
What do you think, Alex? Which team's fan base is feeling good on the bubble? Which team's fan base is scared shitless? Um, I'd say fan base feeling good has to be the has to be the Bills. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was just you, you go and you look at the picture and are they sitting outside looking in? Yeah, right now. Uh, <laughs> right, but um, they get the Chargers and the Patriots the next two. And then exactly, exactly. So yeah. uh, I think I think they have to. I think they have to be feeling pretty good, you know, at at you know ten and six, ten or whatever, eleven and six. Like you know, I, I think they'll be fine. Um, yeah. actually, they they have to feel pretty good. Um. I would have to go with I would have to go with Broncos over the Steelers. Yeah, for, for who are who aren't feeling as good about their chances, you know what I mean? They were yeah. hot. Oh wow! They they had a hot hand for a little bit, but That's now the sudden hand. realization is, you know, we we uh, we're stuck with Russell Wilson as our quarterback, and he's shown signs <laughs> that he's not the guy that he was that we we were hoping for when he got traded to us. Yeah, and I mean, listen, as far as Pittsburgh goes, I mean, they're going to be, and we haven't previewed the game, but I mean, this week they're going to be going with Mason Rudolph at quarterback in a game against Cincinnati, which is basically, yeah, exactly. Good luck. A game in which basically Pittsburgh has got a win to stay alive. And I just don't see, I mean, Mason Rudolph hasn't thrown a pass in two seasons. I just don't see yeah, it's a yeah, slow death, that's, exactly. That's, yeah, it's that's that's why I don't have them as my well, you know, bubble because I, I just feel like they they know the I know they're going to shoot for nine and eight, but they're not making the playoffs. Well, like, no way, especially with the next two after that being both road games against Seattle and Baltimore. I mean, they got this the is probably yeah, they have this the is hardest. probably the end of the world for uh, Steelers fans. This is the end of the road on the season, I would imagine, especially if they can't beat. Cincinnati. Now, if you flip it over to the NFC, here's what we've got in terms of, uh, you know, on the bubble, in the hunt. You got the eight seed Seahawks at seven and seven. You got the nine seed Saints at seven and seven, who are technically tied with the Bucks in their division at seven and seven. And then uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but you technically got the Falcons at six and eight and the Packers at six and eight. So between those four teams, which fan base should be feeling good and which fan base uh, is feeling a little panicked here? Uh, I'd have to go with Seahawks feeling pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, ten, they got the Titans, the Steelers, and the Cardinals to finish it out. I mean, Seattle could end on a four-game winning streak. Right, and they could be sitting at 10-7, and seven, looking, feeling, looking nice, feeling nice, you know what I mean? Uh-huh, exactly. Mm. Uh, not feeling too good. I mean, realistically, I got to give it to the Packers, but Saints fans should probably be worried as well. Why? Um, but I got to give it to the Packers because of their 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 recent stumble. Yeah, kind of fading, fading fast. Matt, what do you think? Who's feeling good? Who's a little more panicked? I mean, I actually think the Saints should be probably feeling good. Um, again, we got the Rams, the Bucks coming up. Yeah, but again, here's the whole thing. They looked pretty good, and again, it's a giant site. You know, well, neither here nor there. They looked more like a complete team, and again, sometimes you put those wins together at this time of the year. You got the Bucks. That's a, like if they win, that's a huge advantage in that division since every. Uh, let's like, be real here. Let's be real here. 
They beat the Giants. <laughs> okay. But they also the, Gi- the Giants gave up eight sacks that game, which means they had short field advantage all game long. That's why the Saints looked as good as they arguing, did. I'm not arguing if they have a reason to be. I'm just saying why they could feel good. Like, nah. They shouldn't be feeling any kind of way. <laughs> going in off the way. You got the Rams who, you know, are you going to be the team that's going to stop that little streak? I-, I doubt it, but you never know. And then again, it's just the fact that you only have one division game or you have a division game against the Bucks followed by the Falcons. So you have a lot of control in your division if they can somehow get those two wins. I yeah, I mean, pretty good. their destiny is in their hands. There's no, I mean, so at least that's the fact that you can control it, you can feel good about controlling it. You can feel good that you have, again, that control. Um, to be honest, I'm with Alex. By far, Packers are the one team that I think is on a bubble that should definitely start feeling a little, uh, a little panicky. Um, and again, you got the Panthers, Vikings. That's tough. You know who knows? And Bears. Still two division games. Still a lot of ways to be able to kind of help control a little bit of where you might fall. Um, but yeah, I mean, they look that that defense is just getting. It's gotten yeah. exposed. Yeah, they're exposed. They're getting roasted, and we all know that this time of the year, if you're not playing good defense, you really don't have a chance anyway. And honestly, I don't know if I trust Love enough. He's made – again, I don't know if it's just that the Giants can somehow turn it on at certain points and just be that good of a defense, which I think is partially true. Love just did not look comfortable. Like, he genuinely looked really uncomfortable in that game. I know we're going a week back, but still, like, yeah. started feeling it and seeing it. And, you know, I, again, it's not the hardest schedule, but you got three cr- big games to end this season to really test what Love is going to be able to bring moving forward, in my humble opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's got to show some fight, I think, to end the season, whether they make the playoffs or not, or otherwise you really have to have I mean, a they've conversation. Got to beat, they've got to beat the Panthers big, in my opinion, and you've got to be able to really hold your own. Um, I know it's at Minnesota, but you got to go up there and you got to make your mark of going, hey, we're still here. We still are a relevant team in this division. Um, and then Bears, you got yeah. them down. So, like, there's again, these are big games. They're going to have a lot of impact in terms of like emotion. So, it's going to be a test for love. Yeah. And I'll say, too, and who knows what's actually going to shake out. We'll get into some of our picks to see what um, some foreshadowing, but it looks to me as it sits right now, like in the AFC, if you want to make the playoffs, you're going to have to get to 10 wins at least. In the NFC, it's going to be a race to nine between those four, seven, and seven teams. I don't think there, any of them are good enough to win uh, to win three in a row. So really, like, you got to get, you got to get to nine. I think that's what it's going to take. So the teams that have six right now, in order to get to nine, they got to win out. I think that's a real tough chore. So – Anyway, let's get into uh, some of our, our favorite picks for this week, boys. I'll start it off with three that I've got penciled in that I've, I'm going to play. I'll start out with an under in the Washington Commanders-New York Jets game. I like the under 37 and a half there, only because I think that the New York Jets defense uh, is going to be able to get after Sam Howell in the pass rush. Uh, Washington's going to be without running back Brian Robinson Jr. again. This game spread is only Jets minus the three, um, but I just see this one being a struggle. We know how the weather is in the Northeast this time of year. So give me the under 37 and a half 
in that game where I just think the Jets' offense is terrible. We know the Washington Commanders' defense is terrible. But we think that the Jets' defense can control the game a little bit, maybe it be a field position game. So I like the under 37.5 with Washington and New York. I'm going – I'm going to that Colts well once again, like Matt did. The Colts are getting one and a half uh, on the road in Atlanta. Taylor Heineke starting for the Falcons. We've already seen Arthur Smith does not know how to utilize the weapons he has on offense. I mean, Bijan Robinson touching the ball six times in a game. It's just criminal. I mean, he drafted the dude eighth overall. But anyway, I'm going to take the Colts plus one and a half. They're playing better as a team. Their defense is better. I don't trust Arthur Smith to have a game plan that's sufficient that utilizes the skilled players he has. I mean, when you've got Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and Bijan Robinson, three skill position players that you drafted all in the top 10 of the NFL draft in their respective years, and the three of them combine, the three of them combine for 11 touches. I mean, I don't know how the coach is not getting fired, but anyway, that's just me. So I like the Colts plus the one and a half. And then my third pick, this one's the Thursday nighter, Rams and Saints. I, I like the Rams minus the four and a half here. I think that Stafford is going to dice up the Saints. And I don't, I don't see Derek Carr throwing three touchdown passes and keeping pace with the Rams. And the way that they've been running the ball with Kyron Williams, I like that balance that they've been able to establish. So give me the Rams minus four and a half on the short week at home. Uh, to cover that spread. What do you boys like for your three picks? You want to go first or you want me to go first, Alex? I don't care. You can go. Um, I might be a risk, but I, I've felt pretty comfortable with them. I've liked what I've seen. Um, I already talked about one team trending one direction, one team trending the other. Um I like I would I would take it down to just the point. Um, give me Cincy on the road. I, I think they can go into pit and I think they can make a stand that they <laughs> are actually a threat with Browning. Um, I think yeah. they can pass really well against the Steelers, depending on the weather. Um, I think they'll be able to get the ground game going if needed. I think the defense is starting to step up, um, and I don't trust at all. I mean, you got Mason Rudolph. Yeah, there's no way you can trust that. There's no way. To be honest, I actually think it's criminal that the Friggin' Bengals are only a point favorite, even on the road. Yeah, but it's I mean, Mason, that, that's a better bet for us. It's a it's Mason Rudolph, but um, yeah, give me a give me Cincy. I like that. Um, I've done it before, sticking with them. They've done pretty well for me overall. They've let me down a few times, but I'm still gonna roll with them. Give me the Dan Campbell's man. G- give me. Give me another minus, road. Minus a three, yeah. Give me another road favorite. Give me the road favorite of Detroit three. I think they're gonna. Nick Mullins is not get, get fucking real. Yeah, get, I, I'm with you there. It's it's Nick Mullins. There's a reason why Nick Mullins is only mentioned like for two weeks a year. Like, it's crazy when you look at these matchups in week 16, and we start and we start looking at the starting quarterbacks that are playing in the NFL. Bro, it's this, unbelievable. It's Jake year, Browning, Mason Rudolph, Easton Stick, Gardner Minshew, T- Taylor Heineke, Joe Flacco, Case Keenum, Nick Mullins. I mean, it's just unreal what we've got going on. Drew Locke. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a team. Um, yeah. 
And then I not to be boring and lame, so it kind of you know kills. But I've got to go with it because I've got to make good picks. I'm totally with you, Steve. Uh, Thursday's been rough for us a little bit, but fuck it. I, I like the Rams at home. Yeah, I talked about the Saints maybe feeling pretty good. I think this is the one game that they won't win. I think they could probably win the other two in their division. Um, I don't think the Saints match up well with how the Rams I scheme. Either. I, I think I think the Rams are going to be able to get the ground game going, and I think Stafford's going to be able to pass very well um, on them. And I think the Rams' defense is slowly but surely kind of being, you know, it's, it's okay. I, and I don't think that Carr is going to throw another three touchdowns. So they've yeah, got a no way. way to score points, um, which does elude Dallas's point that the Saints shouldn't feel good. So it is valid. <laughs> Um, but yeah, give me the Rams, give me the Rams uh, at home favored by four. Uh, all right, Alex, uh, what three do you like this week? Um, there's some big spreads this week. Buffalo yeah. minus twelve and a half. We I mean, got the Chiefs oh, minus ten. The Eagles minus eleven and a half. The even shoot, even the Niners minus five and a half against Baltimore. That's, yeah, there's some there's some big ones. Yeah. Um, I am what? I was going to say, I think that the, honestly, out of all the plays that we've talked about so far, I think the smart, pl- the smartest play is that Bengals minus one and a half. Um, I know it's road, but like, that's just a good play, man. I, I'm telling you, I think that's like, I don't know who I'd have to really wait until the day of, um, but and if you I, and if you want to make it a little bit safer, like for anybody listening, and you're and you're thinking about any of these wagers, and it's like okay, road favorites. If you don't like the number, don't forget, man. You can always go ahead and make this a teaser if you want to get a little extra insurance. Yeah, your odds and the payout aren't as big, but you can tease the Bengals and maybe the Lions and have a three point teaser to where you get the Lions as basically a. Uh, pick them, and then you can get the Bengals all the way to plus two and a half, just in case. Like, you can you can look at some playing around with some numbers, just uh, if you want to make your your smart play a little safer. Yeah, I I mean I've got my three. Um, yeah, I, I like minor. I like spreads this week. Um, yeah, I know you just went in depth on it pretty much, but. Um, I've got the Bills minus the 12 or 11 and a half. Yeah, I mean, there's – I mean, the Chargers are just going to lay down and die. I mean, it's what they yeah, should Yeah, so I think they're just going to – they're just going to absolutely bomb out and do it. I do have the Bengals. I know you just talked about them. I have the Bengals covering the one and a half. That, oh, I don't know right. why that line is so low. I, I Again, I, I'm shocked. I, I think it's respectful yeah. that Mason Rudolph gets that credit. Like, get the fuck out of here. I don't care if it's Pittsburgh. I don't care if it's home. I don't care if it's Tomlin. Like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, um, I'm clearly bothered by that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and my third one is I've actually got the Bears covering the four and a half. Ooh. Okay. 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 Chicago. Yeah. I mean, now they've been playing. They've been playing they've tough. Been, they've been playing pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, a little, little slow. But they've been playing pretty hard, but I just don't see them laying down and and not outscoring them by at least a touchdown. It's the freaking Cardinals. Yeah, the Cardinals still just don't like they again. They're not a four quarter team, so like they look mm-hmm. good in these little streaks of a quarter or two, and then you know. Yeah, I I, I like those. Um, I'm I'm probably not going to tease anything. Um, 
Shit, I could I could probably tease the Bengals to go to plus four and a half if I wanted to, but I'm you know I don't. What want to do I would take the half. I take the four. Yeah, <laughs> I try to, dude. I I'm I made the mistake for the listeners. I did uh, uh, spreads like two different games that were by halves, and nah, I I will, I'm gonna tease the whole points as much as I can for from now on ever. Fuck these halves, killing me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like so, damn. Let's um let's wrap up with uh, some of these key matchups this week. Um, we'll start off with probably the biggest one in terms of the spotlight, and that's obviously the Christmas night game, Baltimore and San Francisco. 49ers, as I mentioned, minus five and a half point favorites over under 46 and a half. This is both number one seeds in each conference as it sits right now. Obviously, a contrast in styles in terms of how they play on offense. And this one, um, I'm not saying 100% this is what is going to happen, but I will be willing to bet that the quarterback who plays better and wins this game is probably going to be the quarterback that wins the MVP. That's disrespectful. I don't like it. I agree, but I, I don't like it. I, you know I didn't say that I agreed with it. I just I just think that whatever quarterback plays better nope. in this game and gets the W, I think that's ultimately going to be the QB that wins the MVP. I think the player that's on the poise or right on the edge of finally breaking the quarterback trend is going to prove it again. I'll, yeah. I like a big game from CMC. Oh, and uh, I mean, I do too. So I just want to add one little nugget because we on this show like the Bengals minus the one and a half. I'm just doing a little bit of research here. So if you're listening, if you listen to this show and you've heard us talk about fading the public, because there's a reason why these sports books make a ton of money and stay in business is because they win money against the public. Well, 73% of the public's money is on Pittsburgh plus the one and a half. So, boom, sharp play from the boys here on the show with the Bengals minus the one and a half. The public is 73% on the Steelers plus the one and a half. So, just letting you know that that's where it sits right now. So, you want to fade the public, FTP, if you're listening to this show. That means Bengals minus the one and a half. Um is the route to go. That's just are we gonna uh, be are we going to be the people that break it in terms of calling that Tomlin finally doesn't get his five hundred season? Hey, you never know. <laughs> we'll see. But um as far as far as some of the other key matchups, boys, for this week, um, regarding playoff implications, uh, you've got the Sunday four twenty five uh, America's game of the week, Cowboys, Dolphins. Listen, the storyline in this game is that neither of these teams beat good teams. And we know that Dallas is not a good team on the road. Miami, obviously a very good team at home, minus the collapse against the Titans two weeks ago, but they rebounded nicely uh, this past week. Will Tyreek Hill be healthy enough to play? That is a question, obviously, how does Dallas bounce back from being absolutely manhandled by the Buffalo Bills? That is obviously a question, but this game is Dolphins minus one and a half over under 50 and a half. What do you boys see as the keys to this game? 
Uh, the reason why I'm staying away from my Dolphins that have been pretty good for me in betting, not my Dolphins, but like as a betting, they've been my team. I put a, I put some money on them this year. <laughs> um, yeah, they've, they've, uh, they've done well for you. I, I'm staying away from them this week, though. I think the one problem they're going to run into, Dolphins don't play as physical and as like tenacious as the Bills do. I think the Cowboys play a little tougher football. I think that's going to be the change. I think they're a little more physical. You know, Dolphins beat you with finesse and speed. I think if the Cowboys can just avoid big break plays, which is definitely easier said than done with this Dolphins offense, um, I think that's going to be a problem. I think the Dolphins' inconsistency on offensive line this year could pose a problem. Um, That's going to be – I mean, that's going to be the key is the the Cowboys to win – they're going to have to slow the big break plays and really get to Tua. And if the Dolphins want to win, it's going to be finding ways to get those big plays and finding a way to slow down um, the Cowboys, just rush attack, be able to get some pressure on Dak, get him flustered, get him making bad throws, bad reads. Um, it's going to come down to, I really think, who ends up having the best defensive game plan, which I know it sounds kind of obvious, but like in this game, like there's definitely going to be some key – key things we have to look at, you know, how is that, how, how is the Cowboys secondary going to hold up against big break plays? Are they going to give up, you know, Jalen Waddle down the field? If Tyreek isn't there, if Tyreek's playing and you give that up, um, are the Dolphins going to be able to play physical enough against the Cowboys running the ball? Um, you know, D.D. Lamb, are they going to be able to stop him? He does play pretty physical. He's pretty tough. So. Yeah, there's lots of, there's lots of um, games within the games with this one. Alex, what do you see as, the key to victory here. Oh, uh, I mean, me personally, the key to victory is anytime I watch a division rival lose a game. You need the doll. Just, <laughs> just being honest. Dude, I love um, it. No, I mean, that being said, man, this is a weird week for football. Um, the really it, it just is. It's it's a weird ass week. I mean, we got games Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and they're all just you know they're just three on Monday for Christmas. Eve. Oh yeah, no. Um, and I so, get the, yeah, I, I mean, get the Peacock only game for the Chargers. I mean, what? I'll be honest with you, I I didn't I didn't watch on Thursday night because I knew it was coming, and I'm probably not going to watch on Saturday night just because I know what's coming. So I, yeah. not to not to disappoint you, Bolt fam, but because um, I I usually watch. I mean, now don't get me wrong. I'm not gonna lie. I did watch the all 22 film the next day just because I wanted to see who played like shit and who actually played. But as far as watching the live game, I just I can't put myself through it uh, anymore. At least for this season. You know, you mean you don't want to spend Eve Eve, you know, just really loving the the matchup no. against the Bills. No, and not at all. I told my dad because he's going to be up here. I said, "Hey, you could, you can watch, you can log into Peacock and watch it for me. I'm not, I'm not wasting my time." But anyway, let's. Uh, there's one other matchup, boys, that I want us to get to that's intriguing because of the implications it has with regards to the playoffs. That's the battle here in the Sunshine State, the Jaguars and the Bucks down in the land of strip clubs in Tampa. Right now, it's the Bucks minus one and a half. The over under is forty three and a half. Buccaneers trending in the right direction, it looks like. Jaguars trending in the wrong direction, having lost three in a row. Now, 
We know that the Jaguars have been a better road team this season. Here's the craziest thing uh, that I've found with the Jaguars, right? They're an eight and six football team. They haven't won a single fucking game in Duval County this season. Not a single one. They've got wins in London and wins on the road. They haven't won a damn game at the bank, and yet they're eight and six and still in first place in the division. It's it hard to fucking do. They're like the 07 Giants. The road. It's work. unbelievable. But that being said, I mean, this is like I said, two teams trending in opposite directions right now. Is this a more of the same, or is this a bounce back for the Jags and a revert back to the the norm for the Bucks? Ooh. Um, and I mean, Trevor Lawrence being in concussion protocol and not being cleared for the game is a big X factor. I, I, I do think that that does have a, an effect on it, um, which is kind of why I, I said, ooh, knowing that. But for me, overall, I, I just I, – the Jags look like they're falling apart. Yeah, yeah there's not look injuries. Good. Um, and, and obviously there's been injuries to Trevor Lawrence. And that doesn't but help the, the defense has been failing them, and believe it or not yeah. – Doug Peterson has not done a good job coaching and managing games this season like he did last year. No. Yeah. So I think I think that there's a lot that you know there's there's a there's a different um, X factor when you play in Florida, regardless of the team you are. Uh, it's just different. It's all of it's different down here. So I, I think this could still end up being a game that that Tampa Bay just walks away with. Like realistically, I think that 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 can happen just because of the struggles the Jags have been having this late in the season. The only – I think the saving grace for the Jags um, is if the defense can not, you know, completely choke. Um, yeah, which is exactly what they've done the last three you know, weeks. You know, the thing is, yeah. too, though, is, you know, I hate to say it, but they have played – you know, they've played some tougher teams. So, again, some tougher matchups, I should say. Let me rephrase that. Um but, again, this defense has done it even last year. They are a weird team when it comes to turnovers. They'll get them in spurts. This could be one of those games where if they disrupt Baker, he starts becoming, you know, what we kind of know of Baker, being a little inconsistent and throwing picks. See, and that'll be the key is if Jacksonville's defense can take the ball away. If they can get Baker to get uncomfortable and not have the confidence that he does right now, I would say the Jags could probably get a win. Um, again, though, you, you know, as far as team MVP is, like, yeah, you take away Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if the Jaguars don't have Lawrence, they're not winning. I, I don't think if Trevor is not starting, I don't think the Jags win. If Trevor starts, I think you got a good game. Um, I do agree with Alex. Uh, Florida's just weird as a whole. Um, it's going to be a weird game, I guarantee it, because it's just two Florida teams, especially in that part of the state. It's just weird. Um, there, there is going to be some weird bounces. There will be some weird shit that's going to happen. But, yeah. Well, I mean, both of the teams the concussion protocol need the, for Trevor. Yeah, and both of the teams need the game as far as their hopes for the playoffs. So, I mean, it's going to be an intriguing well, matchup, a, no it, doubt. It's a bigger game for Jacksonville as far as that goes because the Bucks, like, I mean, realistically, they're not really in a position to be a winning team at the end of the day. Like, they've played well and they've had some good games. The Jags were definitely set up more going into this year to be a good team, to be playoff bound. So now you're looking at a team that could be on the outside. 
that was supposed to be cruising, that's, you know, there's definitely some pressure for, uh, you know, the unfortunate, they're back to the title of sad cats. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting is with Jacksonville, you're at eight and six, but so are the Colts and so are the Texans. So I'm saying, you, yeah. so you cannot, you cannot slip up. Now I know the Bucks are tied with the Saints at seven and seven, and they can't slip up either. But Tampa still has a head-to-head matchup with the Saints, whereas the Jaguars, they don't play against the Colts or the Texans anymore. I mean, they they hold the tiebreakers over them, so technically Houston or Indy has to finish a game ahead in the standings. But you can't you can't allow them to take that. Uh, one game lead with two left to play. So you got to get your business handled. So we'll they, see, but they can't only win one more game against Carolina. And exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, I don't think nine and uh, nine and eight wins the division, to be honest with you. No, so. I, it, it, it very well might not. It's uh... so we'll, we'll see now this week, like Alex said, Game game on Thursday, two games on Saturday. You got uh, what is it? Six six games in the one o'clock slot on Sunday. You got three games in the four o'clock slot on Sunday. Then you got Sunday night, and you got Monday, Christmas Day, one o'clock, four thirty, and eight fifteen. So, if you're a if you're a fan of one of the six teams playing on Christmas Day. I mean, enjoy it, but I kind of feel bad for you. I wouldn't want one of those games, but that's just my opinion. Um, but, hey, it, it is what it is. Obviously, if your team's in it, you're going to be locked into watching it. And even if your team's not, you might still be anyway. So, uh, for myself and Matt and Alex, we wish you a Merry Christmas if you celebrate it. If you don't, happy holidays. Uh, this has been episode 180 of Pound the Pigskin, where it's all football all the time, and we will see you next week.